coming up on this episode of the Marketing Lifestyle Show. It's episode 55. Oh, oh my gosh. We've just been here for so long. It's amazing. We have a great conversation with Michelle Tillis Letterman, somebody I found who talks about business and your likability as a brand. This is going to be such a great conversation. So stay tuned. And something new at SavvySexySocial.com called Social Authority. All that and so much more. Marketing isn't a department. It's a lifestyle. And it's time to start acting like it. You're listening to the Marketing Lifestyle Show. Real world advice from extraordinary professionals who who want you to build killer brand awareness as naturally as, well, well, being human. Ready to kill it? Here's your host, founder and face of SavvySexySocial.com, Amy Schmidauer. What's up, socials? Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Lifestyle Show, your 50th episode. What? That actually chronologically kind of makes sense since this podcast is a year old. So that's exciting. Yay, timelines. I'm very excited about the interview today. I have to tell you that I nerded out a little bit that I even got through on email because I first heard our guest on another podcast, but I am going to tell you more about that later. Before we get started, I have a couple of items of business that I need to get through. First of all, I feel like a complete jerk and a half and a half, in a half, and and a half. Because I gave all these takeaways and things in a jet lag and semi-sick state about Tropical Think Tank on the last episode of the Marketing Lifestyle Show. And I don't think I once mentioned the wonderful man, Chris Ducker, who organizes and asks me to speak. I know we've had him on the show before. I know I've talked about him plenty of times, but I can't begin to tell you how important his role is in me having a once in a lifetime experience at this event. So right off the bat, Chris, thank you so much for what you do. You are so good. I hope one day I am as good as you at being such a smart and savvy business owner. I'm learning quickly and as as soundly as I possibly can. And oh my God, do you know how to throw a party, dude? By the way, still planning on stealing your wife because I am in love with her, not literally like in a way that I just want her to be my best friend forever. It's going to be really difficult because we're on a 12-hour difference, but you get the point. Anyway, big shout out to the Duckers and of course the Chris Ducker team, everybody that put together Tropical Think Tank. Amazing. Just an amazing experience. I was totally spaced when I did that podcast and I cannot believe I didn't mention that. So I had to get that out there. Chris, you you really, really, really mean a lot to me and my business and you've really impacted it significantly since we have met. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I hope everybody will check out your stuff, chrisducker.com. Links in the show notes. Also, he has a wonderful podcast called The New Business Podcast, but he also does one with uh, Pat Flynn and it's fantastic. They take questions and they uh, work through a case-by-case basis of the help that people need. It's very much like their live events and the podcast podcast and the events are called One Day Business Breakthrough. So definitely check those out. A huge plug for those guys because I'm a huge fan and uh, they're, they're dear, dear, dear friends. I also wanted to mention a project that I have been working on for a while now. You guys know that the evolution of SavvySexySocial.com has been quite 
changing and lovely and all things surprising in the last six, eight, nine months. So uh, things continue to roll out. And one of those things is the official launch of a project I've been working on for a little while called Social Authority Membership Group. Uh, There's a few of you who already know what it is because you've already been in the group. I wanted to test out the possibility of working in a sort of client format with businesses that don't necessarily need to or want to hire a coach directly, but need the accountability of a community that can help them move the needle and certainly need more information on how they can go next level with their brand. So very excited that social authority membership is finally off the ground. And it's funny because I stumble over those words because I would much rather call it Sam, which is what I've been doing. So Sam is officially open to the public. If that sounds like something that is up your alley and you want some next level help, all the tips and tactics and fun things that we've been doing here at the website are helping, but you need to be able to implement more of a plan that makes sense, building out your social funnel, building out your sales funnel as it relates to your social funnel. How is your list building going? These important things that actually make the bottom line move in a direction that is favorable to your business. So that's what we'll be doing over there. Just go check that out, SavvySexySocial.com slash membership. I just wanted to mention it because that's a new development this week. So thank you so much for checking that out. But I don't want to waste any more time because I had an amazing conversation with today's guest, Michelle Tillis Letterman. I actually heard her on a very popular podcast, a podcast that's actually for men, ironically. It's called The Art of Charm. But I listened to it because obviously they're heavy, heavy hitters in the podcasting space. And I like to listen to very successful projects to see, you know, what's working and what's not. And usually what's working is at the top of the charts. So Art of Charm is one of those. And I heard Michelle on a show where she talks about her book and the laws of likability. And I just thought this was so interesting from a branding perspective. And I immediately, immediately, literally still listening to the podcast, probably about three quarters of the way through, sent an email via her contact form. And I was like, I never do this, but I'm just going to try it. And it turns out that Michelle has a lovely assistant. Christine, who is a social. So the stars were aligned. And Christine sent my email to Michelle and said, OMG, you've got to chat with Amy. I think the two of you could make magic together on her podcast, which is what she was asking here in her email. So Michelle and I got on a call and we actually had a great conversation even before the podcast. I'm so excited to call her a new friend. And I'm very excited to share this episode with you guys. I feel very grateful to have her on. So get ready to light up your little earbuds with some likability laws that are going to move the needle for you. I'm not even joking. I mean, I really dive into this and the different pieces of the book. I I bought the book immediately also after listening to the podcast. I'm not just blowing smoke up her butt. I really, really was into this and read the book before we podcasted because I was feeling all Oprah and stuff. So, So really dive into some of the stuff that hit home for me specifically, but hopefully is helpful to you as well. And if not, there's so many laws to dive into. We couldn't get into all 11, but you'll really, really like this, especially the part about finding your words. And when you find out what this means, you're just going to love it. Okay. So I could talk about this podcast (laughs) interview all day, but how about we just get into it? Here is my chat with Michelle Tillis Letterman. So I was listening 
to one of the most popular podcasts in the world, actually, it seems, Art of Charm. If you actually listen to it, it's like a show for men, but something about that intrigued me, so I just started listening to it. Episode 398 was with today's guest, and I was just listening, and I just couldn't stop. I had to stop everything I was doing. Usually listening to podcasts, I'm either putting makeup on, making coffee, running, taking the dog for a walk, and at this point in time, I had to stop and start taking notes in after the show, I immediately sent an email via uh, the guest's contact form. And I was like, please answer me because you're amazing. <laughs> and that was Michelle Tillis Liederman. She is the author of 11 Laws to, of Likeability, 11 Laws of Likeability. I downloaded the book immediately because I was so excited to read it. Also, the book of Heroes Get Hired. And she was named Forbes 20, one of Forbes 25 professional networking experts to watch in 2015. So I just want to stress the reason that I have Michelle here today. And it's because her mission is to help people communicate and lead with confidence, clarity and connection. And I can't think of any better person to bring on the show based on what I've heard and what I've read. I just soaked up that book like crazy. And Michelle, I can't even believe you're here talking to me right now. <laughs> You've got the biggest smile on my face for that intro. Thank oh, good. <laughs> I'm so glad. Well, also, it's kind of hard not to have a smile because you were like, OK, we have to totally talk also do the podcast, but let's talk. So you and I just actually <laughs> chatted for like 40 minutes and I was like, oh my gosh, it was so, I mean, you're so nice and giving and already like, it's like an amazing experience. And I'm like, okay, we have to hit record now because I want everybody to know all the great stuff that you have in your head. And speaking of smile, you are such a smile. You're like, turn your camera on. I want to see your face. <laughs> let's smile. And I mean, like, you're so fun to talk to. So obviously, um, with good reason. You've done a lot of research into likability, which is so cool. But um, talk to me a little bit about your background and how you ended up being an expert in likability. Ask that to me again, because one thing I have to give is your first tip to your listeners is to connect with somebody that you've never met in person. If you can't get them to give you the video, which Amy did. I did. I did. <laughs> Which is so ironic, right? Like you just think that the video girl's just going to automatically turn on her webcam. But I'm like, no, I have to keep my computer happy so I can record the podcast and video stresses it out. So, no, I just want to know, how did you get to this point of being an expert in likability? What, what, what has been going on in your career that got you to here? Maybe I wasn't very likable as a kid. <laughs> girl. Uh, we, uh, we could talk about that too. I feel you there. <laughs> you know what, what you do with the video and Skype and connecting that way. But here's the other tip I was going to give is, um, look up their picture online. If it's a client or a, um, a vendor or somebody who you haven't actually met in person. And even if you have, yeah. if you pull their picture up online and you look at their face, the connection is going to be stronger and deeper in that conversation, totally. which is why I made Amy put on her video. I know so, it, it's, it's the same thing as, you know, me telling anybody, Hey, stop put, uploading a logo to the avatar for your Twitter profile. Nobody wants to socially interact with your cleverly designed logo. They want to see a face. They want to see the person. They want to know that there's somebody behind that account that is willing Absolutely. to claim these tweets or social interactions. So it's the same thing. So we are totally on the same page. Um, but now I'll actually answer your question. Okay. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I tell a story in the beginning of the book about this moment that I had when I first started teaching at NYU back in, oh God, 2005, I think. 
And I was talking about communication strategy and having an intent to your communication. And I asked the students what they thought my intent was in teaching the class. And this this bright-eyed sophomore student in the front row with a big smile on his face said, for you to like us. And I gave him the nastiest look. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> And I completely crushed him. I mean, like, I just saw the color drain out of his face. I was just like, oh, my God, I'm awful. And it really sat with me. And as I went home that night and really felt for the student and realized that, of course, I want them to like me. I just thought I didn't want them to know that because it seems so (laughs) needy. And, you know, know. who says that out loud? Right. Yes. My goal is for all of you to really like me. Like, I mean, what? Yes. So, uh, and I'll tell you another story about how likability has this connotation that is yucky. Mm-hmm. And what I realized then, and in the years that I spent in front of um, groups of people that I was training, where there was one person in the room that didn't like me, and I would hyper focus on trying to win that person over Ugh, because it would just crush me when I, I didn't have somebody. Yeah. And I realized you cannot make people like you. Mm-hmm. And there is not a chance in can I say hell? Please do. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if that's allowed. There is not a chance in hell that you're going to make everybody like you, whether it is a small group or a large group. There's going to be somebody out there that doesn't like you, some client, some vendor, some audience member. And so what I started to understand or what drives that likability, what drives that connection, it became kind of the um, obsession of my mind to understand so that I could build stronger relationships and connections and grow my business. And that's actually really why I wrote the book is because people kept asking, how did I build my business and how did I get my first client was JP Morgan Mm -hmm. and my second was Deutsche Bank. And then Morgan Stanley came in Credit Suisse. And I, yes, I played in financial services a lot because I'm a recovering CPA. <laughs> Best title um, ever. <laughs> but I brought him after that. But this approach and this thinking and understanding the drivers of likability, enabling people to see what is likable about you, that's how I built the business. Love it. I love it. So one of the biggest things I think that I took away from first the podcast and then dove way deeper into it in the book 11 laws of likability uh, was just this concept around word choice and what are your words. And Mm. I think that that's so, I mean, like when I was listening to you talk about this, I was thinking, okay, everybody is so intent on in this, in this day of, uh, we have to design the perfect website. We have to create these social profiles. We have to fully describe who we are and what people set those expectations. And I feel like we're not told enough to sort of check with the people that know us the best, right? What am I like? Like, what do you think about me? What is the first word that comes to mind when you think of me? So it was sort of talking through that process and and you're going to do a better job of explaining it that I realized I was like, oh my gosh, like I should just survey some people that know me and not just like bias. Like, I love that you brought that up with, you know, maybe there's some people that don't necessarily play with play well with you all the time, but they can totally give you an unbiased suggestion of a word that that they think of when they think of you and just being able to see like, where are the common denominators? Maybe there's going to be some synonyms in there, but Mm -hmm. how can you have your own class that you ask and say like, what do you think my intent is here? It's sort of the same thing, right? You're just looking for the outside. Your brand is what other people say about you when you're not around. So knowing that you can properly either re-steer the conversation if you're doing it completely wrong or just embrace exactly what you've done really, really well is really interesting to me. 
And I love your definition of brand. And I would add to that definition that your brand is also your promise Mm -hmm. of what you are bringing to your customer or to your audience. And you can have a brand for you as an individual in your interactions, but you can also have it for your business. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to give away what my brand is because you have to come see me live to experience and see if you can guess my words because I I only reveal them when an audience guesses and you will see. Oh, that's so good. (laughs) Well, what happens is um, 100% of the time that I do this activity and I've done it with one individual person and I've done it with audiences of hundreds Mm -hmm. where they call out words that describe me and 100% of the time I will get two of the three words I I want them to say. Right. Over 90% of the time I get all three. Wow. But I have done it with, I've given one person exactly three words and I've gotten all three. Wow. So you can do it on on big scale or small scale. But um, when I think about my personal brand and the words that you, you're not going to find out today, but you can think, you can think right now what the words are and then find out when you come, if you probably already know at least two of my words. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) But the, the words that I would use for my business are different. Yeah. And I would use words like customized and inclusive and empowering and engaging for my business. But those aren't my words as who I am as Michelle Tillis Letterman. Mm -hmm. So um, as you think about the brand, and this is the three words activity that uh, captured Amy on that other podcast. So I'm Mm going to share it with with your audience as well. Um, Because get a pad, get paper. I'm going to give you a way to do this quickly. It's in more detail in the book, but if you're just listening, I want you to be able to do it. Yeah. All right. So the idea is to understand what you want your brand to be. Now, what your brand currently is and what you want it to be are two different things. So (laughs) three-step process. (laughs) Step one is kind of saying, hey, what do I want people to say about me? If this is like my dream of what you would say about me, what would it be? And sometimes it's really hard to just pull that out of thin air. Yeah. So what I would say is start with your strengths. Think about what people have said to you in performance evaluations in your past or teachers or parents or kids or whoever it is who's told you that honest information, um, you know, kind of think, well, yeah, I, I, I am organized or yeah, I am whatever. And just write some of those words down. And, and over the course of a week or two, I want you to just keep writing down, hey, I'm good at this and I'm good at this and I'm good at this. Because part of being able to embody your brand is believing your brand. Right. And that's why I want them to start with their strengths, you know, because yeah. <laughs> if you don't think you've got that going on and add the things you don't think you have going on, but you want going on because part three of this process is going to be bridging that gap. Okay. Absolutely. So part one, we've got lots of words. Part two, we're collecting our data. And this is what you were alluding to, which is check with those uh, frenemies, so to speak. Yeah, right. The people who you may not work best with, but can give you an honest evaluation of how they perceive you. And I want you to ask those questions really carefully because for your friends and your family and your, you know, sister and all that stuff, you can just say, Hey, how would you describe me? Mm -hmm. And they'll be very honest and they'll tell you some that you want to know and some that you don't. And that's perfect. When you're asking somebody who doesn't necessarily love you, (laughs) (laughs) you may want to craft that question a little differently because you might be giving them the platform to, you know, bit you out. Right. Which is not the intent of this. And it's not to um, undermine our Mm self-confidence. You might want to ask them, you know, what is one strength you think I bring to this table or to the project? Or, you know, what is one area that you think I could improve? Not give me your laundry list of complaints, one area. 
And so you get very, very specific with those questions. You are going to collect data. Mm-hmm. I'm not a data person, um, but I do believe that the more information you have, the clearer picture you will get of how you're perceived. Okay. So Amy, did you do some of that data collection? Um, I hadn't gotten that far yet. I was a little bit too afraid to be <laughs> honest with you. And I think that that's sort of an overwhelming thing, right? Is go to somebody that Especially just like, I think that's what I was missing was how do I rephrase this in a way that it's not like the welcome wagon for the ultimate, like, put you down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like, let me tell you what's up right now situation. It's it's more like, no, no, I'm, I'm just trying to get clear on where you see things with me. Um, and I think when you don't fully prepare yourself with a way to do that, it's very hard to then actually go and do it and oh, welcome yeah. that conversation. It's scary, especially for you. Like if you put it out in a public way, like, hey, I'm going to do a blog on this or in the comments to this podcast, you know, give words. And I'm not inviting you to do that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you can say, give me some words that you'd use to describe me. Um, you really are. You have to expect. And this is one of the things I learned about likability. You have to expect that you are going to get some of the negativity. Mm-hmm. So when I actually do this in live talks, one of the things I put right on the slide is says you don't have to be nice. Right. And then if people aren't mean, because, you know, we all have aspects of ourselves that aren't necessarily the, the prettiest, right. I, I'll tell people exactly. And I'll tell people the words I get most frequently that are negative. Um, and I got a new one last week that kind of broke my heart a little bit. Oh, no. <laughs> but it's the only time in years I've ever gotten that word ever. Wow. And so you can discount mm-hmm. and, and that's why I want people to collect a lot of data, because if you've got one outlier, you can ignore it. <laughs> yeah, that's good to know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because yeah. we're, it's so much easier to just focus on the one person that's saying there's one particular thing they see in you. But it's like, are you the only honest person in the world? Or are you the, <laughs> are you really just the only person that's really thinking this? And maybe it was just a happenstance of just what, ha- you know, the, that's how you feel. This is how it worked out. So it is an outlier. Well, hopefully yeah. it is. Or at least now you have the power to like think, okay, I want that to be an outlier. <laughs> I yeah. hope this never yeah. comes up again. <laughs> exactly. And like, I've had some that I don't love come up again and again and again. And I've worked yeah. really hard on minimizing them. Mm-hmm. And so when you start to get this information and get this data, you want to ask, you know, what is it that I'm doing that's giving you this positive impression? Or what is it that I'm doing that's giving you this negative impression? Like if somebody comes out with a word that you don't like, mm-hmm. um, you know, get more information about what it is that you might need to shift so that that's not how you're coming across. So, um, you know, it is something that I continuously do and it's easy for me to get that data. It is definitely harder for other people when you are not always in front of a room. Um, so if you're in a corporate environment, and I know probably not a lot of the listeners are, but just for the few that might be in a corporate environment, I've had people leave a manila envelope on their desk with three by five index cards so that people can drop comments in of feedback anonymously. Hmm. And they can collect data. Um, I will have them go back to old um, employers and coworkers and employees, especially. You really want to think, I mean, you know, not to use the uh, business speak of a 360, um, mm-hmm. but you do want to think about getting data from different aspects and different relationship types. Yeah. Because how we show up in one room is not necessarily how we show up in another. Oh, yeah. I can feel that. <laughs> <laughs> And I will tell you that it doesn't matter what room I show up in. I'm going to get at least two of my three words Mm -hmm. and hopefully all three. 
Well, that's really okay. That's really good. Okay. So that's like major homework for everybody, including myself. I I really, really hope that everybody sort of thinks about that. But what's interesting to me about this and sort of like moving through some of the laws in your book, um, when you do get this feedback and, and some people are probably going to have really great answers, some unexpected, and then maybe sometimes you get the answers that you aren't really expecting. And just as human beings, it's really easy to just sort of consume yourself with the negativity, but you can at least maybe with this exercise sort of see the light in the direction that you want to go in the, whether it's already sort of the seeds have been planted or you're starting really fresh because people are just not getting this from you. And like you said, I think you've had that in the past where like you didn't really like the words and you're like, okay, I'm trying to get rid of these and I really want these to show up. And now you've sort of gotten that ironed out. But there's one part of the book where you really start talking about this and about reframing your thoughts and just feeling a little bit more, um, just more confident, I guess, in yourself. And the phrase that you used was fake it till you make it real. (laughs) And I think fake it till you make it is used so much, but I'm glad that you sort of finished that sentence in the book because fake it till you make it is just like thrown around so much, but you wrote out the phrase fake it till you make it real. And I think that that's so just like to wrap your mind around, okay, it's not, we're not trying to be versions of ourselves that we are not. We're just trying to be the best version of ourselves. So there's going to be a point in time where you just don't feel 100% confidence in yourself, but you have to fake it till you make it real. Yeah. Um, and thank you for, for pointing that out because I'm glad you finished the sentence. I always, I really worried about that section and that content in the book because law number one is authenticity. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's a thread that ties everything else that I talk about together. If you cannot do this in an authentic way that's real for you, um, that that you're not going to be able to connect because you're not bringing the real you. You're not going to build relationships. You're not going to build business. It, you know, it starts with that authenticity. Mm-hmm. And so to say, fake it till you make it real um, is about kind of putting on um, and working from the outside in or the inside out to help you position yourself both physically and mentally in a way that um, you, you're almost like trying it on. Mm-hmm. trying on a sweater. You're trying on these words. You're trying on this brand. <laughs> yeah. And I will tell you, when I got my data, there was a word that kept coming up again and again and again. And it was a positive word, but it was not one I was intending. Mm-hmm. And so I tried it on like a sweater. I'm like, can I put this word on and, and kind of own it and feel it and be proud of it and be you know, excited when people say it? And I could. And it became one of my words. Mm. And so as you are getting that information, And there's something in there that's popping for you and you're getting it enough. Like there was this word, I'll just tell you what it was, intimidating. Mm -hmm. I'm four foot 10. I know you can't (laughs) see me, (laughs) but I mean, I I am four foot 10 and maybe a quarter. And I didn't think there's possible for anybody to ever be scared of me. Yeah. But I got this from my first NYU class from almost 60% of the students. Wow. And, wow, you know, that's a lot. Yeah, I could cry <laughs> thinking about that. I was, no, please don't. <laughs> I mean, it was. I was. I was devastated. Yeah, it was certainly not what I was going for. But I, you know, I did, did tell them I didn't care if they liked me. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> so I got what I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> mission accomplished there. Yeah, and so um, I worked really hard in understanding what I was doing and, and trying to come off of it. And I will still get that word on rare occasion. But the most awesome thing ever happened to me once was I was doing a talk for about 75 women um, at a university. 
and they were uh, staff and faculty. And I did this activity and somebody said intimidating. And, and, you know, the heart sunk a little because it had been years since I'd heard it. Yeah. And this is two years ago now, and it's probably the last time I did hear it. Now, now you all are going to come to my talks and call it out. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and that moment of wanting to throw up is happening. Right. And before I could say anything, another woman said, really, I would have said exactly the opposite. And she said something else. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is awesome. Because as you take in this information, what you need to realize is sometimes it's not about you. Mm-hmm. And it's about them. Because I didn't do anything different. And so when you are thinking about this self-image and how you feel about yourself, you need to um, realize you cannot get them all. And if you get most of them, most of people are getting it, you're good. Yeah. Like I was saying to somebody today, done is better than perfect. <laughs> really? Oh my gosh, yes. I, it, uh, I, I was just like so hooked on your book because every single law seems to tie in so closely to me. And I was telling you before that the law of energy really sort of hit me at exactly the right time. And there's actually one quote in the book I want to read. Channeling your authentic energy doesn't mean constantly being happy. We can be genuine and real and forge positive connections, even when faced with difficulties and challenges. And for me, I feel like that really hit home because there's uh, one word I think you sort of shouted out at me earlier was energetic or um, a lot of people confuse that energetic nature, I guess I have on camera or on the podcast, or even just randomly seeing me in person, that that means I'm extroverted. But quite frankly, and just realistically, to my core, I am quite the introvert. So in settings where um, I want to be the best version of myself, and I actually have every ounce of energy in me to be the best version of myself. It's just that I cannot be for, you know, every hour (laughs) of the day, every single day, I need some time to just like, bring it home, just like kind of just sit with myself, just be calm, be quiet, be by myself. That's just who I am. Mm -hmm. This specific piece of the book, I feel like tied so much into authenticity for me, because this this energy, this idea of I want to put out into the world what I want back. So really, it would pay off most for me to be the best version of myself at all times, anytime I encounter somebody, which is true. But is it realistic? I don't know. But does that necessarily mean you have to be super freaking happy all the time? Reading this line in the book just made me made me happy that I don't have to be happy all the time. Yes. (laughs) I'm like, no, you cannot be at your best all the time. You need to give yourself um, a break. You need to give yourself permission. You need to give yourself time to re-energize. I mean, I was sharing that like sometimes I do a talk and people will follow me to the bathroom or follow me on the mm-hmm. train and you just eat. And I'm an extrovert and I get my energy from people, but yeah. I still need that time to recoup. And so when we talk about energy not having to be positive, we want to talk about it being productive. And so sometimes somebody's going to approach you and they're going to be very um, introspective or reflective or thoughtful or analytical. And that's a, that's a different type of energy than somebody who needs the cheerleader or the, the, the um, best friend and the coach and the, the pep talk, you know? Really? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes what you want to think about is what is somebody bringing to me? There's some concepts and we won't go into all of them, but the concepts of energy expectations and energy knowledge about the person you're interacting with. And understanding we have tendencies in communication. It, this 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 might um, make you smile because we're all going to go, oh, yeah, I do that. Yeah. All right. So when we when somebody comes to us with something, some problem, some issue, some thought, we are going to sometimes evaluate. Well, I think this is right or I think this is wrong. Mm-hmm. 
or we're going to um, interpret. Well, this is why I think they're doing that. Mm. Or we advise, here's what I think you should do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like these are the things that we do. Yeah. What we really need to do is diagnose before we prescribe. So what I've trained myself to do, because that was totally my tendency, yeah. was to like want to be the fixer and helper. And here's what you can do in here. Right. Mm-hmm. Is to ask. And I did it with you earlier. I said, well, can I? Are you open to this? Or um, if, so, if somebody calls me up and I'll be like, what do you need from me right now? Do you need to just let me hear it? Or do you want me to help you solve it? Do you want me to talk you off the ledge? What do you want from me right now? Totally. I, th- I think that there's such a misconception when, um, and, and, and deservedly so, but the misconception of, oh, I'm bringing this topic up um, and there's definitely going to be room for feedback. But when somebody's just like, okay, well, you brought it up and they just sort of like bring that feedback home. And then it's like, okay, that was a lot to handle where (laughs) where you're talking about like, okay, well, I actually do have some thoughts on this. Like, are you open to hearing them right now? And I know that that's super analytical of like how you're going to have a conversation with somebody. But quite frankly, that really is a great way to lead in on this, what could be difficult or, or at least more intense conversation than you might be usually having is just to have that sense of, oh, well, it sounds like you want some more information on this or more feedback. So can we talk about this? And that's what you did with me. You were like, oh man, I like feel like I want to coach you right now. Like, are you comfortable with that? Cause I actually have some ideas. And I was like, go to town, Michelle, let's do this. <laughs> and, but it was, so nice to kind of be asked. You know, yeah. I think we all just get into this habit of um, I, I have to talk. I have to vent. I have to put it out there because I don't know what else to do with it. And then the other person doesn't know what to do with it either. So they just react. And and then it's just like a big mess. And then everybody's a big mess when you're done. You know, it, it is. It's, it's so funny because um, I'm somebody who is a fixer. Like I'm somebody who I grew up, the parents divorced, lots of fighting. So I just wanted to make everybody happy and like, and soothe everything and make it all okay. And so we all have one of these personality tendencies in us. That's mine. And, um, and now I'm thinking about our whole conversation about self-disclosure, Amy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh God, I'm sharing. Um, I know. And um, so when I started to realize this, I would start to ask. And it doesn't have to be overly analytical. It could be, you can think of it as a check-in, like a, mm-hmm. a, a, hey, is this cool? And I've had people say, you know what? I want to know it, but I, I'm not in the mindset to hear it right now. Yeah. And so my response is, I'm so glad I asked. I'm here when you want it. Yeah. And and then nobody's uncomfortable and nobody's feeling like, oh, from this other person. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're just like giving the other person permission or either person really to to be mature about it in the conversation. Cause it's not about, it's not about secrets or anything at this point. It's just about like, no, I, we need to have this conversation at the right time for you, whoever you is, because when that happens, like you're going to be in a better place to be able to take it in and actually take it as a real feedback instead of having, you know, a negative or, or even like wrongly positive connotation to it. Like you need to hear it in a way that's actually going to shape you know, what you decide to do going forward. And, you know, you can even take this into a much more um, practical setting. Think about when you have a call with a client or a customer or a vendor or whoever, a podcaster, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you get on the phone at a scheduled call. 
I will maybe not 100% of the time, I don't think I did it with you, but with most people, I will say, is this still a good time? Yeah. I actually learned that from my fr- my favorite salespeople in the world, including Steve Cloida, because you don't want to call someone and say, hey, how are you doing? Because <laughs> they might just tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I did have that happen. Like, I was like, is this good a time? And, and she's like, honestly, it's not. And then she told me about um, a brother who was diagnosed with something terminal and uh. she and, and her and her husband. And it was like so much stuff. Yeah. And I said, okay. I said, you know, you need time, uh, you know, like, and like the conversation was not at all what we planned. Right. I, I said, you know, we talked for like a few minutes about the fact that she needed to release some of that. I gave her some good thoughts and sent her on her merry way. I said, I, I am not important right now. You have a lot more things important. This call can wait. Yeah. And the fact that I gave her that permission, cause she wasn't going to take it. Right. It was, it, it actually extended into a much deeper relationship because of that understanding. Absolutely. I mean, like how much of a weight do you feel like would be lifted off you in that moment? No matter how severe or not severe, um, what's whatever's going on, like my, my business just completely changed. I'm freaking out. You know, this is startup land, you know, your business can, your business plan can change in a matter of minutes. And that feeling can be so overwhelming, but we all feel like we have to make good on our appointments. So when you actually do, and someone says like, this is not the time. Can you tell I can feel it. You can probably feel it. This isn't the time. Let's do this another time. I will tell you, this is something that's really hard for me. I'm somebody who, if I say I'm going to be somewhere at a certain time or on a call, mm-hmm. I never want to cancel on somebody. And I rarely, rarely do it. Um, and sometimes it's about giving yourself that permission. And this is the same thing we talked about with energy, is giving yourself that permission to say, you know what? I have a sick kid. Mm-hmm. And I need to be on the couch cuddling him right. instead of being in my office. Even though he'd be fine, I'm not. This is not where I want to be right now. Right. I mean, I think we all feel that way that we don't want to cancel. And as some of that just comes down to um, the, the fundamentals of getting a hold of your schedule in the first place and just being able to outline clearly, this is the time for me. This is the time for my business. This is the time for all these other things and prioritizing that. But also just being a, 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 a considerate person in how you handle those things when they do happen. Because why are we doing anything that we do if we can't decide, look, my kid is sick and that's where I need to be because that's why I'm doing mm-hmm. what I'm doing so that I can make that call. Yeah. And, and there's a concept that when I first heard it, I really wanted to reject it entirely because you, yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and I'll share, um, the saying is vulnerability equals credibility. Mm-hmm. And vulnerability leads to credibility. And vulnerability builds trust. And I'm just like, you know, vulnerability sucks. <laughs> I agree. I'm like, God, that's, it already scares me a little right? bit. Right? <laughs> and I hated it when I heard it. And um, it was kind of hearing that. And that's why I wanted to share that because it gave me permission. Like when I tell stories, I tell a lot of stories, you know, in front of a room and, you know, on podcasts. And I told you a bunch of stories. And, and I... I have gotten choked up at times because mm-hmm. these stories are real and, and they evoke real emotion. And, and I'm like, I can't, I must be, you know, composed. And, and I've, I've come to tears on a stage. Yeah. And I will tell you people who came up to me afterward and the conversations, the connections, um, and the acceptance that I, I was, um, that open. It, it was a whole different experience. And I don't try to cry on stage. I don't, 
personally like to cry in front of anyone ever. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, not but, me either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I don't fight it as hard anymore. I'm, I allow a real emotion to escape, you know, mm-hmm. and and that is something that that can be extremely powerful in connection. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about connecting to other people because the business that you're building is going to be based and built off of the relationships that you have. Totally. (sighs) Okay. If I don't stop us now, we could talk for like two more hours, I feel like. And we already had a hard time cutting (laughs) off our own conversation earlier, just a podcast. Um, But I do need to be respectful of your time. And so at this point, I just... I want everyone to read this book. (laughs) Like this is the part where I'm like, what are you excited about? Where can we send people to learn more about you? Everybody just needs to go buy 11 laws of likability because it's just, we, I know a lot of people in this audience are reading books that are very business centric and very marketing centric and are very focused, but this really is truly coming down to people, no matter what we do in any fashion of marketing, whether it's just being ourselves with our friends and family, or we're at a networking event or not, or we're just on Twitter, or we're just sitting in our office, just being in our business. There's so many things in this book that are just going to help you put your best foot forward in everything that you do and make you feel better about who you truly are, which I think is so, so important, especially with as many people that come to me and say, Oh, I don't, I don't know if I can do video. I don't have a great personality like you. And it's just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like you, if you're alive, that's great. You know, like so build on that. That's, that's good news. You know, everybody has a personality. It's about who you being true to you and sharing that with the world. So I want to just personally say, I hope everybody goes to check out this book, but Michelle, where else could people go to just kind of follow up with you? Maybe say hi, check out some of your content, anything else that you'd like to share? Absolutely. And actually I have a gift for your listeners. Oh, boy. I have two gifts. Sound effect. Sound effect. I I always forget to bring the sound effect. So that's that's what that was. Um, Well, I heard bells because my dog is outside my office right now shaking. (laughs) So I heard the bells. Um, Okay. So um, a couple of ways that people can find me, interact with me, get more content. Um, Michelle Tillis Letterman, it's two L's, T-I-L-L-I-S-L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. We'll give you links out to my blog, to my YouTube um, I am I am starting a video series. I'm going to be putting them out soon. Um, <laughs> I um, I have a program. I said you have to come see me live if you want to know what my words are. Yeah, I was like, and, where is that going? I'm <laughs> intrigued. I'm going to send Amy links so that you can add your name to the VIP advanced notice list. It's not open for registration yet. I'm looking at my countdown page. It's 148 days. So in October in New York City, we're doing a two-day intimate, immersive event that will take you through the entirety of the book, you will start to do that three words and start to build your brand and you will get feedback from the room. Um, and we will, we will take you end to end on that book in terms of building your business. So, um, so I, I, it's too long of a link to say it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's fine. Give it to you. Um, and that's for the relationship driven leader program. And it's really great for entrepreneurs who are building businesses. Oh my God. That's so exciting. <laughs> I'm like, um, I can't wait to look at it. For those who want a taste of the book without deciding if they're going to buy it or not, I give away chapter 10, which is called The Law of Giving, because, you know, it's just kind of fun to say I give away giving. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That is fun. Um, But also because I believe so much in those concepts of people's results being exponentially greater all around if we're all following this, this philosophy of giving. So you can download the entire chapter for free on my website or on 11lawsoflikeability.com, and it's the number 11. 
And I have put out recently a What Type of Networker Are You online quiz, and I will give the link to that, that you can all take that for free. Oh my gosh, I'm channeling my inner 17 magazine-year-old girl that's like, <laughs> t- loves quizzes. That's the best. Okay, we will link to all of that in the show notes. Very excited to see more details about this New York City event, because I don't think I have a lot on the calendar for October, so I'm like, October oh my 15th and 16th, save the day. That is so great. Before I send you off, I have one final question for you. And if you have a final piece of advice, would you please share what you think it takes to live the ultimate marketing lifestyle? Authenticity, of course. Mm. (laughs) I will tell you that I think, you know, I'm not even sure what a quote unquote marketing lifestyle is. But to me, when I hear marketing, I hear authenticity. I hear um, that promise of service, that um, consistency of understanding what you're going to get, who you're going to get, who you're interacting with. And so what I tell people is when you think about building relationships and connecting, um, don't network for need and don't network for now, network for life and build the network that will sustain you and carry you through. You know exactly what the marketing lifestyle is. Thank you so much for being here, Michelle. It was so much fun. I want to come back. Okay, perfect. (laughs) We will plan on it. Okay. That's all for today, socials. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it as always. Make sure you go check out all of Michelle's wonderful stuff. The links are in the show notes. So just go to SavvySexySocial.com, search for Michelle, and you will find the info. Or just tap on your cover art if you're listening in iTunes or Stitcher, and you'll be linked to all that information right there. If you want to learn more about Social Authority Membership Group, where I will be hanging out on the regular with my new online clients, go to SavvySexySocial.com slash membership. I look forward to seeing you there if you join us. And we'll be back next week with the Monday Muse on the Marketing Lifestyle Show. So tune in for that. And of course, on YouTube on Tuesday for Savvy Tuesday. See you there.